This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. The idea that as churches and, and as people, you know, we're sort of backing into the future. Backing because we don't know exactly what the future looks like. We, we just don't. We haven't been here before. We haven't done this before. Hopefully we never do it again, but but let's just say we we haven't done this before. So as we're backing into the future, don't hold that necessarily as like a negative thing, because what it means is that as we face backwards, we're able to look at what served us, and we're able to pull those things forward that help to move us forward into the future. Those, Those parts about church that have always been true and that continue to make such a big difference in the world. And we're going to look over these next five weeks about five things that are unchanging. Five places where we can go go like, yep, this part does not change. The first one we're going to look at, and that's going to be today's talk, is, is looking at that there's always a bigger picture. That there's always a bigger picture. Now, to get us started thinking about that, I'm going to actually ask you to do a little thing. It's going to involve a little bit of movement here. So what I'd like you to do is this. What is the view outside your window? So what I'd love for you to do is to race on out to your window, shoot a picture of what you're looking at right now out your window, and send me the picture. And and that idea, like, we're, we're trying to see a bigger picture. We're trying to see out a window. We're trying to get some perspective around all of this. And I feel our windows these days are showing us a lot of things. This picture, you know, who would have thought this? Now, you might not know what that is. That's a picture of a food line waiting to pick up food at a, at a food pantry. See the food pantry there on the far right? Like, who would have thought that, right? So that's one picture we can have at a time like this, a picture that it's a little distressing, but then we also have these kinds of pictures. A beautiful birthday celebration for a little handicapped boy. you got to love that. Both of those are true. Both of those are part of this experience. So how do we see this bigger picture? Well, we have to learn, and we talked about this yesterday, and I want to repeat it. How do we, how do we sort of put our minds onto dwelling on what's good in life? It doesn't mean that we push aside those areas that are challenging, but it's, but it's what are we going to think about? What are we going to dwell on? Steve Teneri is going to share a reading, and this was the reading we used last week. And I ask you again, just to listen to it, to get your brain sort of thinking about, yeah, what is it we dwell on? So take a look at this little video slash reading. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, 
Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Passage there from Philippians. And that idea of, of folks like, we look at those parts of life, the goodness of life, which, which includes, which includes, like it's not about saying there aren't the hard things. It means that we do, though, we work towards looking at the good things in life. And we think about such things. And I, I like a different translation, actually, for that that's, that's used in a different version of the Bible, which is we're asked not just to think about such things, but to dwell in. To dwell in such things. And not just to dwell in them, but then to move that dwelling in into actually practicing them. We practice what we see. Oh, think about that. We practice what we see. That's not an easy endeavor in in, in times like this because there's so much out there that just is noise, that's hard, that's difficult to make head or tail of, that's that's difficult to understand, that's challenging, which maybe makes it all the more important to go back to those things that don't change. And at the same time, it's important for us to have a conversation about what is the challenge? Like, what can get in the way of us seeing this, this bigger picture in life? You know, beautiful pictures coming in of, of windows. And, and for some of us, the, the shades are drawn or the window's dirty. Like, how, what do we see there that, that can be in the way of actually seeing out there into the world? So I want to read a story here for you. And it's, it's a story, again, from the new church. We read biblical stories as, as a story, but then stories with a deeper poetic sense to them, a poetic truth that, that gives us an inner sense, an inner meaning to what these words actually mean. And this is a story here about twins. And they're twins, if we have any twins watching, where there's a little bit of a sibling rivalry. Who's mom's favorite? Who's dad's favorite? That's kind of the, the context again. And just an aside, that's why I find the Bible so, so amazing is the struggles in the Bible are very much human struggles. Whether we're talking today in 2020 or we're talking 3,000 years ago, the struggles are largely the same. So I'm going to read you a story here about these twins, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn and therefore considered the one who was going to, going to inherit everything from his father. And uh, Jacob was the, was the secondborn, even though they were twins. He came out second, so he was the secondborn. And that's where we pick up the story here about the boys. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. In other words, an outdoorsman. While Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. In other words, he liked indoors, one liked indoors, one liked outdoors. Isaac, who had taste for wild game, loved Esau, that's his father. But Rebekah, the mother, loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. That's the picture we have here. Let me have some of that red stew, I'm famished. Jacob replied, first sell me your birthright. So in other words, let me be the firstborn, you get to be the secondborn, here I'll give you some soup. Look, and this is a way overstatement, I think it would have brought a smile from those listening to it. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob for soup. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. 
It's a beautiful passage there, and there's, there's so much wisdom in it. Again, that we, we may miss on sort of a first reading, like two brothers having an argument. One says you can have the birthright. But there's a deeper piece here to it that I think is really important. How many of us feel on occasion this? I just want the pain to go away. I just want the pain to go away. Maybe that pain is with an external circumstance, a a financial challenge, or it could be food insecurity, or uh, it it may be a pain, I imagine for a lot of us, when, when I say that, I just want the pain to go away. We're thinking of a pain in terms of relationship. A relationship so hard and so strained. And what is our prayer? I just want the pain to go away. And if you're like me, and I imagine many of you are, we would do anything. We would give up anything to just have the pain go away. Including, figuratively, selling our birthright. It is hard to sit with patience in the pain. It's hard to sit with patience in the worry. And, and I think when you look at, at this line, and this line is, is so interesting there, so Esau despised his birthright. Well, there's, there's a lot of wisdom just in that simple line. What's the wisdom there? Well, the wisdom is this. Let's picture Esau as this. Let's picture Esau as that firstborn, which is always going to be love. The primary thing. And Jacob is being our thoughts, our, our, our minds. And it's easy, again, when we get in that place where we just want the pain to go away. To essentially push that loving center that is who we were created to be, that push that to the side. Because now worry and fear has taken over. Folks, just a simple question for you. You know, how loving can you actually be when you're afraid? How loving can you actually be when pain feels overwhelming? I think the assumption would be the answer there is not much. And so our prayer to God can become this transactional prayer to be, to be released from that praying a, a little aside is, is maybe that's how we're demanding of God, like, God, you do this, then I will finally love you. That, that you know, that kind of God can earn our love if he just takes the pain away. God does not take pain away. God joins us in it. God does not take pain away. God joins us in it. Because it is part of life. It is part of how we move forward. It is part of of the work. The New Testament is no different than this. And and the really clarity around what the challenges are. There's, There's a beautiful parable that Jesus says in Matthew 13. And he's talking about about sowing seeds. In other words, like farmers, and where do you plant your crops? And, and he has this beautiful line in there, the seed falling among the thorns 
refers to someone who hears the word of God, but the worries of life, and I want to stress that, but the worries of life choke that word, making it unfruitful. That idea that there are these, these deep worries of life, and that actually can, can choke something out, can keep us from seeing the bigger picture. And just take time, again, to, to think, where, where is that one for you? Like, like where, yeah, this is where, if there's pain in this realm, it like immediately gets me off track. It immediately chokes off things that could be fruitful. It keeps me small. It keeps me afraid. It keeps me turned into myself. Very important to think about that. Now, folks, when you look at the Bible, it's not about reading the Bible and going like, well, it's obvious Esau blew it. No. I want to say again and again, it's in here because this is part of the story. This is part of your story. It's part of my story. Those places where we do just want the pain to stop. And again, those places where we would be willing to do anything to get rid of that pain, to get rid of that hunger, to get rid of that deep hunger. And what can we folks start to do to maybe try to work with God to pull ourselves out of it? What can we open to? How can we look at that window and start to push curtains aside and start to see something else, something much brighter, something much more filled with joy, and something this, something actually truer than our own fears, which are always based on falsity, always based on things that, that, that in a sense are very real and feel very real, but in a deeper sense for the deeper humanity aren't true at all. I think that is where we learn to settle into the deeper picture. Now, I, I purposely pulled this word, settle, into the deeper picture. I, I don't think, and again, I, I will come back to this in a number of different ways throughout this series. This is, this is not a to-do list. Like, if, if, if we are deeply worried and concerned and, and afraid, and we want the pain to stop, I think, I think we have to hold all those emotions and all those thoughts is completely understandable in a time like this. Completely understandable. And the way out isn't this epic battle of clashing armies. The way out is through just very calmly, peacefully, and quietly, trying to settle in to the bigger picture. Now, how, how do we do that? How do we settle into the bigger picture? I, I think so much of it is really trying to understand what is God doing? What is God doing? Now, in terms of what God is doing, God is doing this thing called divine providence. You know, it's kind of God's work with us. Look at this line here, folks. Again, I would tell you, take a screen capture of that. I think it's so beautiful. 
Divine providence is divinity working among us. Divinity working among us. It's, it's, it's easy to kind of uh, think of divine providence as, as kind of this script that's up there, and God's got the script, and he's watching, and we are following the script, or we're not following the script, and that's the difference between good and evil. Divine providence is different than that. Divine providence is this divinity that works among us. This, this next idea, I think, so important. Divine providence focuses constantly, eternally on its goal, which is a heaven from the human race. In every moment of its work, in every moment of its work, in every step, it leads and turns and adapts us in accord with its laws, leading us away from evil and towards good. I want you to get a sense, you know, the gentleness within those words, the gentleness and the tenderness of God in those words. I think it's so important to look at it this way, you know, and to hold it this way. This idea of divinity working among us, this, this gentleness, this according to, 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 to God's laws, which are always gentle, which are always loving. We believe this, that there is no predestination except for a predestination to heaven. Now, can we choose and work hard to go against that? You know, the answer is yes. And we see people who choose to go against that, who choose to swim against the current. But that doesn't change the truth there. And folks, this is, this is so important, what I'm about to say. Please listen carefully. There is no opposite force to that. Hell, evil deals in shadows. Shadows are not the presence of anything. Shadows come from the absence of light. There is no force that looks at our lives and looks at how hard our lives is and seeks to make them one more step complicated, one more step worse, one more step darker. There's no force like that. That doesn't mean, of course, that our lives, that that things can't kind of pile up on each other. They can. No doubt many of you watching here today have seen things over the last couple months just pile up one on another on another. That is true. But it's not that there's a force that's going to continue pulling that through all eternity, that direction. There is a force that's going to keep on, no matter how hard, how dark times get, that's going to continue to pull towards the light. As best as it can, within the Lord's laws, within the laws of freedom, and our ability to choose, it's going to continue to pull that direction. I should say as well, and this is a little aside, like for me, I, I, I do see people who I feel frankly have gotten more than their fair share of growth opportunities. <laughs> Very true. And even there, 
it's been amazing to watch even some of those folks, somehow many of them seem to get it so much more. You know, so much more in terms of step towards the light, so much more understanding about how faith and goodwill and God continues to pull them forward within their life's journey. I think this picture of divine providence is important. The stream of divine providence. Now, some of you watching this may be up in the little waterfall on the left this morning. Some of you may be in the top right, a little calm, still pool that washes, watches the other water rush by. We can be in different places in this picture, but it doesn't change that it's still one stream. And for any kids out there watching, remind your parents what all streams lead to. The ocean. The ocean. That is divine providence. That ocean being that whole point, that the whole point of creation is a heaven from the human race. And God will use everything, the good and the evil, to leverage that to get us home. I love that idea of water just because, again, it, it has this idea of what do we surround ourselves with? And it takes time, again, to, to quiet our minds and, and to be able to see it. Uh, you know, this David Foster Wallace famously did a little parody, uh, and essentially the parody comes down to this. Some of you have heard me say this before. You know, two young fish are, are swimming upstream, an old fish is swimming downstream. The old fish goes, water's cold today. The two young fish look a little quizzically, keep on swing, swimming. They face each other and go, what's water? I love that idea because maybe some of the older and wiser people among us do understand that we swim in it, but a lot of the time we're not aware. We don't see it all the time. Even though it surrounds us, even though it is the water we swim in. And when we do see it, folks, I think we do this. I think we catch it in little glimpses. A little picture here, a little picture there, a little picture over here. We look out a window and we see something we haven't seen before. And the funny part is that, of course, a lot of the time it's always been there. We never noticed. Some of the time it is new things that are startling to us that are like, wow, I hadn't seen that. The, the, the God of amazement. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel put it this way. He called it the God of surprises. Where all of a sudden there it is, a surprise. I want to share with you a, 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 a beautiful uh, video from one of our parishioners, Alan Linnell, as, as he talks about like a time where he saw it in a grocery store. So please take a look. Hey, good morning, New Church Live. My name's Alan, and <clears throat> I'm here to, to share uh, this encounter between two strangers that is probably one of the, the most beautiful examples of God's grace that I've seen in, uh, in recent time. Uh, back in February, I had stopped off at a grocery store on my way home, and I, I heard this exchange between a man and a woman, and the woman was uh, essentially asking this man um, 
saying, pleading with this man, really saying, I know you have it. Please just give it back to me. I know you have it. Please just give it back to me. And finally, the woman says, you can either give me back my wallet and I'll pay for your groceries or I will have to call the cops and report you. And after about 10, 12 seconds goes by, the man reaches in to his pocket and hands back this woman her wallet. And this woman, without opening the wallet, without saying a word, takes this gentleman up to the cashier. She proceeds to buy his, his groceries. And this man, at the end when he had his groceries, said, I'll never forget tonight. I'm broke. I have kids. I'm embarrassed. And I'm sorry. And went on his way. So... You know, I proceeded through checkout and, and I saw this woman in the parking lot and, and I said to this woman, you know, he's not the only one that's going to forget tonight. And, you know, this woman went on to share that she was in really no financial position to buy his groceries, but she just couldn't find herself getting angry anymore. And she just simply wanted her, her, her wallet back. And it was just for me, this, this kind of beautiful reminder that we all have the ability to be a blessing to someone. Even when we feel as though we're strapped or not a blessing or not in a blessed place ourselves, that we do have this ability to be a blessing to strangers, um, to show them as, as much grace as we hope that someone shows us. So <clears throat> I hope this message is a... A blessing to to all of you. I hope it just gives you something to kind of hold on to and and, and really share with others. Um, I know it's been an incredible blessing to me, and I just hope that um, it is also a blessing to you. Have a good one. What a beautiful story! Thank you for sharing that, Alan. You know, folks, you think about the window there, and. And, and just the way the different windows work. You know, there's one person who sent, Corey and Joe, they sent out a, a picture. They're watching today from 75 acres in Craig, Colorado. And David and Jenny have a beautiful garden, sent a picture of their beautiful garden. And there's a bunch of other pictures out there, just beautiful. Do you see the beauty in that story too? The window there. Now that window, folks, like, think about this story, right? The glimpses here. Here's Alan, a woman, and another man, and all of them going to grocery stores with different agendas. And all of a sudden, somehow, God kind of orchestrates a thing there. The guy clearly makes a bad choice in stealing money. The woman, very much like if you're a Les Mis fan, very much on the lines of Les Mis, in a fit of kind of moral imagination, finds a third way. Begrudgingly a little bit, a third way. And in finding that, maybe in some way, we don't know, but maybe in some way, changes that man's life 
and changes Alan's life and did something that will leave ripples throughout because you heard that story as well. And maybe it was a window for you giving you a glimpse of something greater. That, folks, to me, is a reminder that there is a bigger picture. We may well be going to a grocery store figuratively just for groceries, but there may be something bigger there. And the question becomes, the prayer becomes, Lord, give me your eyes to see it. Those places where we just get glimpses like little pixels or, or maybe the word fractals or puzzle pieces or you could call it spiritually little moments of grace where we would just see it and then, it, then it's, and it's a portal that opens up into this, into this part where we see it all just for a minute. We just see it. Why is that important? Because I think that settles us back down into lives, whereas, again, going back to that beautiful passage that we looked at from Matthew, where the worries of this life aren't choked out, don't choke out the other things, the more important things, the truer things in our lives. There's always, again, this danger as we, as we look out into the world and especially the world we're living in right now, like the danger of making everything binary. Everything is either good or bad. And we get into that sorting way too readily. That binary mindset is the playground of the ego. Because it's based on judging everything. We're going to talk about that more next week. Nadia Bowles-Weber phrased it this way, and I love this line. Optimism, and she's sort of talking a false optimism here. Optimism won't save me, but worrying isn't helping me. I like that line. Optimism won't save me, but worrying isn't helping me. What we need to do is we just need as best we can to be awake, to, to see that bigger picture and again, folks, to have a week ahead where we're working to settle into it as best we can, to settle into it as best we can. Ease into it. Follow me here for a second. Hold that place of worry. That place where you just want the pain to stop. A place where you just want the pain to stop. And you'd be willing to trade anything to do it. Let's just take a breath right there. Close your eyes, and with a prayerful posture, listen to these words. There is a bigger picture here.
there is a bigger picture here. Just staying in that place that there is a bigger picture. Out your window, you may be seeing a food line going to a pantry unimaginably long and all the worries and concerns that are part of that line. You may as well be seeing a birthday celebration go past your house or graduation ceremony take place past your, past your house today. With both of those, can we breathe? And prayerfully think, there is a bigger picture here. That idea of the point of creation, a heaven from the human race, a divine providence that never stops working, that is eternal, and in every moment doing the best it can to bend it as it can towards heaven. Knowing as well, there is no force opposite that that is trying to make everything as bad as it can be. That acknowledges, I think, that, yep, life can sure look that way sometimes. It can sure look like this, 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 and this, and it all seems to be trending down. But even if you're in a part, even if you're in a season of life where you feel like it's all trending down, please feel within your soul, within your heart, within what you love and who you love, something that is pulling you up, something that is restoring you, something that will remind you of this. So there's the thing. We can turn resolutely to these brutal facts, and even so, we will prevail. There is a global pandemic, and we will prevail. There will be death, and we will prevail. There are long-hoped-for events in the future that will not happen, and we will prevail. There will be lost things and people and income and dreams, and still, we will prevail. And all we really have is this day, today, and it's enough it ends up maybe Jesus was right. I love that line. A reference to Jesus saying, like, what did worrying ever get you? Live in today as best you can. Be open to those miracle moments. Be aware, I think, you know, of these two beautiful prayers. I think a lot of us will resonate with this. Thank you for, Denise, for sharing this. Dear blah, 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 amen. I feel like that's probably where a lot of our prayers are these days. A mess. And God's response, so loving. Dear child, I know. I love you. God. So folks, this week ahead, As best we can, may we all settle into the bigger picture. Again, something we do imperfectly, something that that is not easy, 
something that will not even necessarily, if we settle into the bigger picture, that, that doesn't mean that life circumstances change. It means this. Our heart finds rest because our heart has found home. Our heart finds rest because our heart has found home. That's my wish and my blessing for you this week. Amen. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to offer a prayer. And then I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer. Then when that's over, we'll get to hear a song again about rising up. That idea that together we rise. So please join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you as always, for your presence among us here today. Lord, we acknowledge that there are places in our lives where we just want the pain to stop. The worry, the fear for it to end, for it to be over. And Lord, grant us this gift, the gift of patience, The gift to know that even in the midst of that, you are still holding us, your divine providence, the waters we swim in, still moving us in ways we don't realize towards you, towards each other, towards home. Help us, Lord, to remember the very simple prayer. There is a bigger picture. There is a bigger picture. And Lord, one small little favor. Just let us glimpse it just a little bit this week. In the midst of all our worries and concerns, give us just that little glimpse of you and of each other, of divine providence at work, working among us. Be with this amazing congregation this week, Lord. Be with those who are joining us from all over. In your name this Sunday we pray. Amen. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thine will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.